Good morning. So yesterday I talked about some of the different subtleties or nuances that are included in the word mindfulness or sati, to use the Pali word. And over the last 24 hours we've been cultivating this quality of mindfulness pretty intensely, starting with the first establishment of mindfulness, which is mindfulness of the body. And although we start with the body, that doesn't mean that we leave out every other aspect of our experience. Because as I've been trying to emphasize, the point of all of this training is to bring awareness to every aspect of our experience. And perhaps because the word sati does have a a wide range of meanings and applications, in the development of insight practice, we can find also a wide variety of approaches to the way mindfulness is taught. So different teachers, different traditions will highlight different aspects of sati. And some of you might have uh, done retreats or studied in these different, with these different approaches and perhaps at times felt confused by that variety. But it's worth keeping in mind that ultimately all of these approaches have the same goal, which is to bring awareness to what we're doing so that we can see clearly, so that we can learn how to live our lives in ways that are conducive to ease and happiness and freedom. So no matter what approach to mindfulness we're using, so long as it's helping us in that direction, then we're on the right track. And we can learn how to use these different approaches to mindfulness to our advantage, learning to apply the most appropriate one to whatever's happening in in our experience in that moment. For example, in some types of mindfulness, uh, it's presented as quite an active practice of knowing or noting every aspect of experience moment to moment to moment almost like one of those old-style computer games where something arises and you shoot it down. It's like, ah, yep, 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 got it, got it, got it, got it. So where the energy, the attention is going out and sort of grabbing the object, and sometimes they even talk about penetrating the object, the object of our mindfulness. So this is, uh, some of you might be familiar with the Burmese Mahasi tradition, which uses continuous mental noting to stay connected with experience in a very highly detailed way. And this is a powerful practice for refining the precision of our mindfulness moment to moment. And when we do this style, at times it can feel like we're knowing everything in ultra-high definition. The level of detail that comes into focus is quite extraordinary. And it can also be misunderstood, or I misunderstood it, as a kind of pinhead focusing or fixating on the object. And this uh, can cause a lot of tension in the mind if we don't relate to it skillfully. So what I'm highlighting here is that we can bring mindfulness to the mindfulness itself. 
and change or vary the approach at different times so that we can keep the mind balanced, not too tight, not too loose. Isn't that Goldilocks and the porridge? Anyway, it's that kind of balance, that middle range that we're looking for. So if we do notice that the mind is starting to get tired or tight or contracted, we can change to a more receptive mode of mindfulness for a while. And with this style of mindfulness, rather than energetically going out and sort of grabbing the objects, we simply settle back and let them come to us. So this, uh, the German scholar monk Bikunalio, who some of you are familiar with, he talks about having this understanding in his own practice where he also had started out with the more active, energetic style of practice. And he said it was almost like he was lying in wait for an experience to arise and then he could pounce on it. And he felt like he was a hunter, sort of hyper alert, waiting for the next target to come up so he could shoot it. And at some point he finally realized how much tension this was creating in his mind. And so he decided to give up being a hunter and become a vegetarian. So metaphorically, this vegetarian approach to mindfulness is the more relaxed and receptive style that I just mentioned. This is more in line with what um, Ajahn Suchito talks about mindfulness as. I mentioned, I think, on opening night that with mindfulness of the breathing, for example, we can let the breath fill the mind. So there's no room for anything except the experience that we're paying attention to. We become so fully with the experience that we're completely absorbed by it. And this doesn't take a whole lot of effort. Likewise, yesterday when I brought in the Burmese master Sayadu Utejaniya's demonstration of just bringing the two hands together, touching, that lightness of touch is really what we're looking for because then it does become sustainable moment to moment throughout the day. So we keep, um, it really doesn't take much effort at all. But especially in the beginning, we do often overshoot the mark and we keep trying to force the mind back to focus on whatever it is we think we're supposed to be paying attention to, which is usually the breath. And again, I just want to highlight that the breath is not the only object that we're supposed to be paying attention to. It's a very common misunderstanding to somehow think that the breath is where it's at and everything else is sort of secondary. In fact, I was leading a retreat a few months ago with a group of people who were pretty experienced, and one of the people said, wow, I didn't know you could be mindful of stuff other than the breath. I thought mindfulness was the breath. And that's a very common misperception. I can understand how it comes about, because usually at the beginning of a retreat we do Uh, invite people to keep coming back to the breath in order to strengthen and stabilize the mindfulness. So usually the beginning instructions are bring the awareness to the breath. 
When you realize you've got lost, come back to the breath. But the purpose of that instruction is to help develop stability of awareness. And when there is that stability of awareness, we open up to include every aspect of our experience. We don't have to keep dragging the attention back to the breath. Instead, we can use the breath as a kind of a home base from which to explore. Whenever we realize that we've got lost or scattered, we might come back to that home base for a moment or two. And then when the mindfulness is stable, again, open up. So, for example, yesterday I briefly mentioned the six sense doors as areas that we can pay attention to, and particularly in the dining room with meal meditation. We get to bring awareness not only to the body and to physical sensations, but to sights and sounds, smells and tastes, and all the different types of mental activity and sometimes reactivity. So depending on what else is going on, sometimes the breath is not the most suitable object to be paying attention to. So in all of this, what I'm inviting is to notice throughout the day how much effort you're making (coughs) and to start to bring mindfulness to the quality of the mindfulness itself. And to notice, how does the mind feel when there is the presence of mindfulness? So even right now, what's it like to be present, to be alert, to be aware? How does that feel? For most people, there's some sense that that's a slightly pleasant state. At least in contrast to when there's no mindfulness where usually there's scatteredness, distractedness, agitation, and so on. So what we're training in here is familiarizing ourselves with the pleasantness of being mindful so that the mind quite naturally wants to keep going back there. So in all of this, we're emphasizing needing to keep the mind in balance and remembering the mantra that I offered on opening night of explore and enjoy, we can play with these different types of mindfulness. Sometimes the mind naturally becomes quite sharp, and then we might find ourselves zooming in and noticing all the tiny details of our experience, a bit like the macro lens on a camera. And whole new worlds of experience can open up as we start to see everything so closely and clearly. If we try to force that level of detail, though, it can make the mind tight and tense. So if we do notice that the mind is feeling a bit contracted, then we can deliberately open up the lens of the mindfulness to make it more wide-angle, more panoramic. So we're paying attention to a broader range of objects. We're still being mindful, but it's spread over a wider range of experiences. So for example, as I'm sitting here now, if I was really zooming in, I might just be noticing these little black squiggles on this white rectangle. 
and everything else recedes. On the other hand, what I'm more doing right now is this panoramic kind of mindfulness. So I'm aware of the space in the room and aware of people sitting in it. I'm aware of the sound of the voice and the flickering of the candle behind me and the sitting bones in contact with the cushion and so on. So opening up to all six sense doors can help uh, as an antidote to when the mind's getting tight and contracted. So this morning I'm going to invite us in the guided meditation to begin with the breath and physical sensations in the body and then open up to the experience of hearing. So we'll be simply settling back. Good timing and receiving sounds. <laughs> so sounds inside the room, sounds outside the room, perhaps sounds inside our own bodies. And obviously we don't need to make sounds arise. We just know when they're there. We stay with them. We know hearing, hearing, hearing for as long as the sound is present. And then if no sound is present, we can come back to the breath or we might at times know silence. So we're noticing the arising, the presence, the passing, the absence of sounds moment to moment. Before we do that, just... Uh, couple of words about working with guided meditations. The, the purpose of the guidance is to try to help you connect with your own experience. So rather than focusing too hard on what I'm saying, it's fine to just let the words kind of wash over you as a general guide. And if you find they're getting in the way, then it's fine to let them go completely. Because all of us are different. Different words, different phrases resonate differently. So the guidance is just a general invitation to try and connect with a particular aspect of your experience. But by all means, find your own way into it. Okay.